Hello, I'm Llewellyn King, the host of White House Chronicle, and today I'm joined by Linda Gasparello, the co-host and the producer of this segment. When I was a boy, we didn't have a lot of garbage. We didn't have a lot of stuff that became garbage. Everything was useful. Most things you took a sack along, usually of some sort of uh, fiber material, hessian or something, and uh, there was wasn't much packaging. If there was, it was brown paper, which was dutifully wrapped around your hoods and you carried them home. Uh, bottles had value because they were recycled and uh, small boys and destitute people, uh, I hate to mention that, but uh, carried them off and sold them. And it was a kind of ecosystem, almost self-sustaining. But as we as a people, and this is true in Western Europe or other parts of the world, as we got richer, it became much easier to throw things away and the manufacturers obliged with more and more stuff to throw away. I just recently uh, bought a new razor um, and uh, I was just amazed. There were seven pieces of plastic before I got to the working part, which of course also contained a lot of plastic. My wife and I are two people. We live fairly modestly and we carry a big sack of garbage to the chute every two days, probably. It's really very disconcerting. And then as you drive around the country, you see the landfills. Oh, the landfills, these huge artificial mountains, which look quite attractive, if they're covered in grass, sometimes you can tell because they've got pipes coming out to harvest the gas, but in fact, they can be quite lethal. Well, a very brilliant journalist called Dave Lindorf, award-winning, written for some of the great publications of our time, has just examined the dangers lurking at the seashore with garbage dumps that will be flooded as the ocean rises. And uh, we're going to ask him about that. He's traveled up and down the country. He's taken a lot of time. And it is so-called long-form journalism published in the long-running magazine, The Nation. Welcome to the broadcast, Dave. How awful is the garbage situation? Well, it's quite a quite a setup, Llewellyn. It's, uh, it's a terrible situation. Uh, what I found in doing this story is that there's 100,000 landfills in the United States and half of them are located within 10 feet of sea level on the three U.S. coastlines uh, where they're doomed to be uh, basically inundated by rising seas in not that distant future. And uh, give us some examples. Uh, in your article, there's one up in, I think, Massachusetts, which is uh, a landfill, an ash landfill. So it's already been through an incinerator, but it's still, as you write, pretty lethal. Yeah, actually more lethal in a way, because when you burn trash, uh, much of which is plastic, the plastic you see we're talking about, uh, it produces dioxin, which it, a lot of plastics, when they're burned, make a lot of dioxin. And also when they, when they decay naturally on, in the... Um, I don't know if you can talk about natural decay of plastic, but the, the decay of plastic in the landfills uh, that aren't incinerated also break into dioxins. So um, 
you're, you're, there, it's a very toxic stew. It's done commonly because it reduces the volume of the garbage by about seven times, but uh, it doesn't reduce the lethality of it, increases it. And tell us what is dioxin and what, why should we be uh, afraid of it? Well, dioxin is a is a byproduct of a lot of chemical uh, processes, and it got uh, terrifically notorious because of the Vietnam War and the use of Agent Orange by the U.S. military uh, in what was really a war crime in Vietnam during the war to, to try to defoliate the uh, the jungle and make it easier to see the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese. But what it did was it permanently toxified the land with this um, mutagenic carcinogenic compound dioxin, uh, which was not what Agent Orange is, but it's a byproduct of making Agent Orange that, that permeated the defoliant. Dave, who has oversight for these landfills? Is it the federal government or is it the states? No, that's that's one of the big problems is that uh, the federal government took over uh, these chemical dumps that industry had, uh, you know, with huge toxins and cancer clusters and things because the cost of uh, remediating them was so high that, you know, the companies went, were going bankrupt and the states and localities didn't have the money to deal with it. So landfills, on, on the other hand, are still... Uh, totally the responsibility of local governments and state governments. The, the, the federal government, the only thing that it's done, and this is new uh, since the 1980s, has put some restrictions uh, and guidelines on how a landfill can be closed and how a new landfill built since the 80s has to have certain kinds of liners under it so that there's not a direct link between the garbage in it and the water table. But other than that, the the uh, federal government's out of the picture. <clears throat> if there's a problem with a dump, the federal government doesn't get involved because it's not a hazardous waste site. Dave, how are some of the states managing uh, the landfill? You had mentioned in your piece uh, the landfill that was in Saugus, Massachusetts, which is just north of Boston, and also uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, which has a mound, a gigantic mound. Uh, that's covered with with grass right now, and I think is used as a as a play as a play area. Yeah, that's right. It's a closed dump that's now uh, uh, called the Mount Trashmore City Park. How picturesque! Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it actually is. Uh, so, so the the uh, Rumney Marsh in Saugus is a beautiful marsh, unless you look outside of it at the industrial areas around it. But the marsh itself was labeled a uh, uh, special preservation area by the State Department of Environmental Protection back in 1988. And yet they've extended the uh, lifespan of this monstrous incinerator that is right in the marsh that takes all the trash and municipal waste from the entire county that Saugus is in and uh, burns it to reduce it to ash so that it makes you know less volume. There's a 500,000 ton, half a million ton ash dump, uh, 240 acres and 60 feet high, uh, just to the south of the um, 
incinerator and they keep adding to it 100,000 tons per year and they plan to do that for uh, another three years on their latest extension. So it's eventually going to have about a million tons of ash sitting in the marsh, on the edge of the marsh, with no liner underneath it. And when it all closes down, they don't have any plans to move that. It's a gigantic, you know, mountain of ash with dioxin in it and a lot of other stuff, heavy metals, whatever, doesn't go up the stack. And uh, that's going to toxify the whole marsh because the seas are going to rise up. It's, I mean, it's right on the water. It's touching the water. And so when the water comes in or the storms come in, because the Atlantic coast is right there uh, next to the opening of the marsh. So the sea level rise is really this enormous problem for these landfills that are located right on the water. And Saugus and Virginia Beach aren't the only ones. There's the Meadowlands in New Jersey and also in Miami. Outside of Miami, there's another huge one that's there. There's 13 closed landfills in the Meadowlands in New Jersey that contain, you know, a vast quantity of New York's garbage for the last century. Uh, and also that's not counting the Fresh Kills landfill on the north end of Staten Island, which has at one time the largest dump in the world. Uh, and that's also a park now. But all of these are vulnerable to sea level rise. The, the, the people who say, OK, we closed the landfill, we put a cover over it of, you know, half inch poly uh, plastic and it's protected. Well, those sheets of plastic are stapled together and glued with epoxy uh, to make it a supposedly, you know, solid plastic coating. That's not going to work when a, a hurricane comes in with storm surge and debris from, you know, the houses it tears up and the cars it picks up and stuff. And these, these mats are going to be shredded and everything that's in there, um, you know, from garbage to industrial waste is all going to wash into these waters. The Hudson River, mouth of the Hudson River, the New Jersey wetlands, the Chesapeake Bay, uh, you know, the coastal area of, of Florida and all the inland waters along the uh, inside the barrier islands and everything. All of these wetlands that the dumps are in, because that's where they site them, uh, are, are going to be um, completely polluted. Dave, and didn't this already happen in the Meadowlands with Superstorm Sandy? Was yes. It, didn't the storm surge rise to the point where a lot of these toxins leached out? And how many also of these landfills have a clay base or have a plastic base? I would imagine that only the, the newer ones do. That's right. So it, the, the bases on these things normally were not required until after 1980. So any landfill that predates 1980 that was built before 1980 is unlikely to have a liner and there's no way to retrofit a liner uh, on a dump. So, um, so the majority of the dumps are closed. You know, there's 50,000 dumps in the uh, coastal areas um, and Mo there's only 2,900, 3,900 active landfills in that region. And so you're really talking about mostly legacy landfills that have no liners. And in many cases don't have covers either. 
the, the point of the cover is that, you know, when the water, if you have a, a, a huge torrential rain and the water goes into the um, soil covering a landfill that doesn't have a liner, it goes down into the dump and then down into the water table. So it brings things from the dump into the water table. And that's even before you talk about actually eroding away the landfill completely into the wetlands. You talked about the East Coast, but we have the Gulf Coast and the West Coast. What's the situation there? Well, if you go to San Francisco, that you and you stand on the uh, you know the wharf and look across the bay, you see mountains everywhere around the the bay, which makes no sense at all because it's a, a floodplain. Uh, around the bay. It used to be a bigger water uh, area in the past and and will be in the future. And the reason that there are mountains all the way around the um, the bay is that they're all landfills. And some of them are pretty substantial, you know, 160 feet high and, uh, you know, they're gigantic. And, uh, and some of them are already marked as hazardous waste sites. Uh, others, not so. They're just landfills. But uh, you can see these things everywhere. There's uh, Palos Verdes Los, in Los Angeles. It has a huge landfill. Um, down in San Diego, they've got landfills. Um, and, and up the coast, uh, they, the other problem is they built them right up to the cliffs where you have these, uh, you know, sandstone cliffs on the edge of, of uh, California in like uh, north of Los Angeles and up along the uh, Big Sur area and things like that. Those things, the landfills went right up to the edge and, and the, in, the increasingly powerful storms are causing landslides on the edges and are actually breaching these dumps. Like Imperial Beach has garbage falling from a high cliff into the ocean and the beach because it's been breached. Um, we have all these landfills, partly because as a an environmental measure, we restricted the amount of incineration, despite your story about uh, uh, Massachusetts, uh, which means the volumes increased enormously, sevenfold at least, maybe tenfold. Um, has that been a disaster? Would we go back? better going back to incinerators and basically putting the garbage into the air rather than yeah, right. it on the land well from the, you know the way the air is going you don't want to put more more smoke and carbon into it so well, that um, was the reason that was the reason that they restricted you remember at one time in apartment buildings there was a chute that went straight into an incinerator and everything yep. was burned up i lived in an apartment building in new york city and uh, you could see the flames from the fourth floor when people put newspapers down. A correction, or not a correction, but an amplification to what I said earlier about we had so little garbage when I was young, no matter where I was living. Uh, the one garbage we did have, which we have lifts of today, is newspapers. But they had other uses. Uh, we used newspapers for all sorts of things, including insulation, that they are not used for anymore. But we do, unfortunately, in my view, have fewer newspapers, and consequently, that is not a contributor. But packaging seems to me to be suffocating us. And I once ran a conference in Washington on packaging, and the companies came, and oh, did they persuade so beautifully that this was in the interests of the species. But in fact, it isn't. 
Uh, do you have any solutions? Do you know where we're going with this? What would you well, recommend? Well, I think the only solution that has been offered that makes any sense to me is um, moving these landfills that are going to be swamped. Because, you know, you're talking about, like, take the one in, in South Dade, Florida. It's a mile and a half from the ocean. It's completely flat and at sea level from the dump uh, eastern edge and northern edge to the ocean. And so you're going to see the, the seas rise very quickly and get there. And then you're going to have storm surges that could be 15 or 20 feet high coming there. And eventually they're going to tear the surface off of that uh, 160 foot tall mountain. And then it'll all come out. Um, it's gigantic. And it, the high, it's the highest elevation from there south to Key West. And um, so what to do about it? It has to be moved eventually because the seas are going to come in. Uh, what year, you can't say, but they're coming. And it'll be a lot easier to move them while they're on dry land than when they're islands, which is what they'll become. But back to the basic issue of garbage, it is a huge problem. In Virginia, when I lived in Virginia, we were very upset by the amount of New York garbage, which was sent down to landfills along the James River. We also had the, the international story of the garbage barge, which went from country to country looking for a home to get rid of. I think it was again New York City is fingered. Uh, somehow some superior way of dealing with garbage. Uh, uh, it was recommended at one time that we use incinerators, but we use them to create power, garbage to power, but it turned out to be very difficult because of the diversity of things in garbage that do not burn uh, normally. Uh, they don't burn at the same rate and they leave residues. Uh, do any scientists have long-term solutions to the garbage problem? Well, one of the things that was in my piece uh, originally but got cut for length was that 70% of the uh, sea life in all the oceans is dependent on wetlands for uh, their some part of their reproductive life, you know, whether it's mating like salmon uh, or uh, laying eggs or having young live there as a nursery until they're big enough to survive in the open ocean, like eels or uh, striped bass and things like that. So um, if you poison the wetlands, you end up basically destroying 70% of the ecology of the ocean, which is a catastrophe. I, I mean, an unimaginable catastrophe. And that affects everybody, not just uh, people along the shore, but everybody. So uh, so this has to be done. Something has to be done to save the wetlands. And, and that's where the landfills are because it's wasted land. So that's where you put landfills, where you can't put buildings and taxable property. David, this brings up the... In Evitable question, if we do it, if we move our landfills, put them in safe places, if we can decide what are safe places, the rest of the world will not do it. The poor world will not have the resources to do it. I do That's not right. see Mexico moving its dumps or Malaysia, uh, and some just will not have an interest in doing it. Uh, this is not a very promising picture. No, it could even be worse because, as we know, you know, if you see those incredible dumps they have, like uh, in Philippines or in Indonesia uh, and things, that what happens is that the U.S. 
and and probably Western Europe too, that, that with these huge consumer societies, since they don't have places to put their garbage, they they ship it to these uh, impoverished countries, which take the money, uh, you know, the pittance they're given for having this stuff dumped on them, right, usually right along the water again, you know, where they put all this horrible stuff and then that washes into the ocean, which is why we have that huge island of garbage in the middle of the Pacific. Who is studying these landfills? Is there a paucity of studies that have been done on landfills, whether it's in the United States or in other places in the world? And the other thing is where do landfills fit into the whole climate change picture? We're about to have a huge meeting, the COP26 meeting in Glasgow, Scotland. And where where is that in the agenda for that huge climate change meeting? I don't think it's anywhere. You know, when I did this story, I started it a year ago. Uh, it, it struck me because I was seeing all these dumps along the shore going down to Florida from New Jersey. And I asked about it and found out what they were. And I, I had no idea they were dumps. I thought they were like hills on the coast. And, uh, and what happened was when I've done the story, everyone that I talked to, you know, landfill managers, politicians, uh, environmental uh, people, uh, trade officers for uh, wetlands and things like that, uh, and management, uh, they all had the same answer. I never thought of that. They've never thought about the issue of, of sea level rise and these things. And there's this huge denial going on. And and when you look at the issue of that, the only place with the money to handle it is the EPA. Uh, oh, oh, one more thing. When I when I Googled for studies of landfills and sea level rise, there was only one study. It was done in England and published in 2019 by a group based in the University of Southampton. And they surveyed the landfills along the coast of England and found that they were eroding into the sea and they said it was a huge crisis. And, you know, and then I went to the U.S. and said, have you ever done a survey at the EPA? Um, this was after Trump was out because I couldn't get them to even talk to me uh, until they were gone. And I said, have you ever done a survey of landfills you know, on the coastline of the U.S.? And and I, I got to read you the answer I got. And they, they would only deal with me in writing. And they said, EPA researchers are aware of the need for a broad study on the impact of rising sea level on landfills in coastal areas and areas prone to flooding. A significant amount of study is necessary to understand all potential risks to human health and the environment associated with possible impacts from rising sea levels on operating and closed landfills and possible ways of assessing these risks. Currently, the EPA is not planning any studies of this kind. <laughs> and, and my editor said, did they really write that? And I said, yeah, they did. Um, that was the answer I got. So, they, so they, they aren't even contemplating doing a study. Right. And so if they're not contemplating doing a study, then how is this going to be entered into the big climate conference that's going to well, be held it's not no that's what i was hoping this story would do but you know it's one story against uh you know uh so many other uh, competing interests, but it really needs to become an issue. It needs to be, I'm afraid that 
uh, it's going to take a disaster like one of these big mountains of garbage being opened up and dumped out uh, for people to realize, oh, my God, we've really, really got a big issue. You know, if, I, if a hurricane hit the Rumney Marsh uh, with a storm surge that came in over the, the uh, berm that has a railroad track on it and hit that that ash pit and washed it into the marsh i think that would open a lot of eyes it would sadly destroy the the rumney marsh as a wetland but uh i think it's going to take something like that this is uh, all very depressing but i would like to remind as a general observation that london in the 19th century was overwhelmed with its own sewage the Thames River then was about two miles wide or a mile and a half or something like that. And it was basically a cesspool. It was full of the most disgusting stuff that you could possibly have. And it was engineered out that when humanity applies itself to one of its problems, it solves it. Uh, but nobody seems to me to have applied themselves to the garbage problem, both the enormous creation of it and where we put it when we created it. Uh, it would seem that this is a necessary thing. There are so many universities that have programs on the environment. I wonder if they're looking at this particular aspect of it. Well, no, no, no government grants have been put out for it. So that's usually where the money comes from. Um, but you know the other the other thing that to consider is that if it were if it were to cost a trillion dollars to uh, take these landfills away and figuring that you could get the government to figure out places to put it, um, a trillion dollars seems like a lot of money. But this government, but it would be over ten or twenty years if you did a study and then you triaged which ones had to be moved first based on how close they were to being flooded. And that's uh, less than the 1.3 trillion that the government has allocated to modernize the nuclear uh, stockpile over 10 years. So we could certainly afford to do it if the will were there to do it. I also think that other things need to be done. We, we had a consumer consciousness pre-COVID about packaging, about food packaging, about packaging of other things. Everything just to get back to what Llewellyn had said that that I see, whether it's you know a takeout food or or whether it's something that comes in by Amazon is overpackaged. We don't need to have that in in shopping. If we could go back to uh, carrying string bags for you know to carry our groceries, that would reduce a lot of a lot of the packaging waste that we've got. Of course, we've got health considerations now with you know with the virus around, and I think. That idea is probably going to take a back burner for a while, but packaging reduction, I think, is, is really important. And the food industry was trying to do that, and I think we need to get back on that track. And well, we you know, Sweden and Norway, are one of those countries, has, has such an effective um, trash recycling and, and um, trash reduction system going now that uh, they actually are taking garbage from other countries to help pay for their system because there's not enough garbage to put into it. And they've, they've basically got a zero waste situation going. I forget which of the two countries it is. Yeah, give the email uh, address out in New York City. They can help <laughs> them immensely. That's our show for today. Thank you for coming along. And think about what you're throwing out. Cheers.